0: Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Uh, Acts chapter 2. Tonight, uh, I gave a a preview um, a couple weeks ago, just kind of letting people know I'm going to be doing something a little different tonight. I believe in what's called expository preaching. In fact, I believe in in what's called uh, what what you might call um, consecutive expository preaching. And 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 by expository preaching, I mean when I come to preach, I want to I want to hear what the Bible has to say, and I want to explain it, uh, and and I want to apply it, uh, and, and and that seems pretty simple, doesn't it? I, I, want, I want the Bible to speak and I, I, wanna, I want to focus on what's there in the Bible and, and, and I don't want to get in the way, right? Um, and, and by consecutive expository preaching, I mean we start in verse 1, chapter 1, and we go passage by passage by passage all the way through the book, okay, till we get to the end. Sometimes there might be some variation from that, but I think the normal diet of the church, the normal healthy diet of the church, should be consecutive expository preaching like that. Uh, It does a couple of good things. One, uh, how else are we going to preach the whole counsel of God? Okay, if if we just if a preacher just uh, uh, gets up and from week to week, just as bounces all over the place wherever he wants to go, then he's he's. Some might say that's more spiritual, right? He's just leading the, from following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Others might say he's picking his hobby horses. He's picking the things that he likes to talk about. Okay, so by chaining myself to the text of Scripture, okay, chaining myself—that's the way I'll refer to it. Uh, I, 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 what I'm doing is. Uh, I'm keeping myself, preventing myself from just following after whatever I want to talk about. We're going through the text, and I might be, you know, this this one text is really down my alley, and we get to another text where it's talking about, um, you know, wives submitting to your husbands. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, and, and that' that's that's good that 's part of god 's word that's we want to preach that, but that might be something that 's resisted in our culture right and so if we 're preaching through the text verse by verse, chapter by chapter, then you deal with everything and you you, you know if somebody you, you preach it and somebody comes up and says, Well, I think you were talking about me whenever you said that no i 'm just preaching the next verse <laughs> right it, it protects the preacher in that way. And it also uh, protects the congregation. It protects the congregation because preachers are fleshly as well. Preachers are sinful. And sometimes we might get the temptation. I'm I'm talking as a a sinner. We might get the temptation if something's going on in the congregation. We might want to go after that. But by preaching through the text, God deals with it on His timetable. And I think it's a very spiritual way to go about it. Okay, so that's my defense of expository preaching. All to say, that's not what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Tonight, all right. Tonight, we're we're going to have a, a topical sermon. Okay, and I listened to a, uh, I watched a little video uh, from one of the speakers that I, uh, the preachers that I really admire and and I agree with, uh, from one of the ministries that talks about this very thing, and. He said, is there ever a time to preach a topical sermon? And, and his, his answer is basically, sometimes, even the biblical writers, when you look at the biblical writers, um, they sometimes address the needs that are going on in the church, right? Uh, you, you've got uh, the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, you've got uh, a situation here where um, the the the. The church is, has, has uh, these, this group of people that's come in that's trying to get the these, uh, Jewish Christians to, to uh, hold on to the Jewish law and make the Gentiles do the same, okay? And so Paul addresses the need there in the congregation, okay? And I think sometimes the pastor needs to do that. Whenever there's a need in the congregation, it, it's appropriate to take that time. But the regular diet, not, not, not addressing just a particular need, but the regular diet of the, of the church should be expository preaching. And because we are in a transition right now, we just finished the book of 1 Peter, and we're at the very first of the year, I think we're going to take some time to address a need. And what is that need? Uh, I think we are four years into a church plant. Uh, Amy and I and my family have been leading this church plant since November 27th of 2016. And uh, I want to take this time just to kind of refocus, we, we've got uh, people here tonight, a lot of weren't here that very first night, right? And, and, and I, want, I want to uh, just lay out over the course of the next couple of weeks, um, what are our distinctives? What do we believe as Redeemer Baptist Church? But you know what? I still, I don't know how to preach topical sermons. So even my topical sermon, I'm going to be looking at a text and I'm going to be breaking it down, okay? As, call it uh, expository topical, <laughs> Okay, so we're going to start with Acts chapter two, and and tonight we're looking at as Redeemer Baptist Church, we seek to worship God in biblical simplicity. That's what I, what I've been ever since we started meeting outside during the summer. I've been saying that every week as we open up our service. I say we seek to worship God in biblical simplicity, to serve our community by meeting tangible needs. To uh, Communicate the Gospel to those who have not heard and to have Christ at the center of all we do. Tonight we're going to be looking at what does it mean whenever I say we want to worship God in biblical simplicity? Okay? We want to look at the Bible for that answer. We want to look at the Bible for that answer. But here are a couple couple of things. What is worship? What is worship? I think the the text that uh, Mike read from earlier gives us an idea of what worship is. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a little bit. Um, biblical. So we want to be biblical. We want the Bible to define our worship. We don't want to just come up with stuff on our own. Okay. Uh, if we come up with, our stu- with stuff on our own, what we're liable to do is fall into idolatry. God wants us to worship Him in the way that He's revealed in His Word. And if we just come up with stuff out of our imagination, how do we really know that we're worshiping the true God? How do we know that... that uh, so we worship God in a way that the Bible prescribes. We worship the true God. We seek to worship God in biblical simplicity. So God, that, that's, a, that's a word that needs to be defined. What do we mean when we say God? I, and I, what I mean is the, the Trinitarian God that's revealed in the Scriptures. Not Buddha. Not Allah. Not uh, any other of the 300 million gods that are in Hinduism. No, we worship the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God who revealed Himself to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. The God who revealed Himself to Moses. The God who made a promise with David. The One who came... As a man, Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. That's the one we worship. He is one God in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't, I'm not preaching a sermon on the Trinity tonight, but I do need to say, when we say we worship God in biblical simplicity, I need to say something about who God is. And we believe in the historic affirmation of the Trinity uh, that Christians of all denominations since, uh, well, I think since the time of the apostles and especially since the time of, uh, of uh, the Council of Nicaea and Chalcedon and all those things in church history, uh, I've got books in my library that can tell you about it. <laughs> We're not going to go through all that. That's who we worship. We, worship we, we, we seek to worship God in biblical simplicity. Simplicity. What's all that about? Simplicity. Sometimes we come to church and we've got all these added extras. Okay? What we want to do here at Redeemer is we want to not worry about all those added extras. Sometimes, you know, you've got this kind of Bible study on this day and this kind of Bible study on this day and you got this this group on the other day. And so you you could really wear yourself out with all kinds of different kinds of study all week long. And where do you have time to actually disciple your family in your home? And so one of the things that is really our focus is we want to really cut down our schedule. We meet on Sundays... And we want to prioritize getting together in the week for something. okay? Um, Whether that's having a meal in your home and inviting someone. Whether that's uh, getting together as a small Bible study group once a week or something like that. But we want to limit. We don't have all kinds of different services all throughout the week where you've got to come here to this building. We focus on the worship. And we want people to live out what it means to be a Christian in your homes. Through community, through fellowship, uh, through all those all those things. Okay, that's what I mean by um, uh, simplicity. So let's look at the text. Okay, I've said all that as a preface. Let's look at the text. Uh, Acts chapter two, beginning in verse forty-two, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. praising God and having favor with God, with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, help us tonight. Uh, Lord, uh, I admit that preaching a topical sermon is a dangerous thing for me. And Father, I pray that Lord, as I do so, may all of my reasoning, may all of my arguments be rooted explicitly in your word. Lord, help me, Lord, not to waver to the right or to the left, but to point people to your word where we find life and health. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to get an idea of worshiping God in biblical simplicity, what's a better place to look than at the first church in the, gospel, in, in the book of Acts, right? Right? the first church in the book of Acts. Um, This is what God was doing among the first believers in the book of Acts in the church of Jerusalem right after Pentecost. Okay, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to breaking bread and of prayers. There's four things there. Let's look at each one of them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, we no longer have the apostles with us, do we? Now, there's some people that may claim to be an apostle in, in different traditions, but really, with, with the authority of the New Testament apostles, we don't have people like that today. We, we have Instead, we have their teaching. We have the apostles' teaching right here. We, we, don't, we don't have the apostle Paul that can come and teach us. We don't have the apostle Peter that can come and teach us. But they, they left their writings they wrote to churches. And we have the apostles' teaching right here. We have the New Testament. And we have the Old Testament. We have the New Testament where we have the writings of the apostles. We have Matthew, who was one of the twelve apostles. We have Mark, who was, uh, uh, he was a traveling companion of Paul, who then uh, also um, uh, Peter mentions him as somebody who's with him uh, in the first letter by Peter. Peter. Um, uh, tradition tells us that uh mark was one who got the stories that he wrote down from peter himself so these are this these are the apostolic teachings we have luke who uh, another traveling companion of paul he was a a doctor a physician and uh and and you can look at the gospel of luke to see that you've got the gospel of john written by the apostle uh, john the one whom jesus loved you have um Mar- uh, the book of Acts, which is written also by Luke, who was a tram- traveling companion of Paul. We've got uh, the the Pauline letters, all the letters that wrote, Paul wrote. I mean, that's half the New Testament there, all written by an apostle. You have um, you have uh, 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 <laughs> Hebrews. We don't know who wrote that, but it was apostolic. Uh, we, we can say it's, it's something that if it wasn't written by one of the apostles themselves, it definitely had its roots in, in the aposto- apostolic ministry. Um, we, we have uh, Peter's writings. We have John's writings. We have Jude's writings. We have James' writings. All uh, either apostles or James was a brother of Jesus. Jude was the brother of Jesus. People that we don't have around us anymore, but we have their writings. These this is what the early church devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, and that's what we ought to devote ourselves to. To the scriptures. And this early church there in Jerusalem, did they have Matthew? Did they have Mark? Did they have Luke? Did they have all Paul's letters? Did they have No, they didn't. What did they have? They had the Old Testament. Right. That's what Jesus preached from. That's what the apostles preached from. Whenever Peter got up and he preached the sermon on Pentecost, what he, he was talking about Abraham. He was talking about uh, David. He was talking about all of the, the things that happened in the Old Testament. So when we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, it's not just the New Testament. There's an old heresy called Marcionism. Basically, Marcion was an anti Semite, he didn't like the Jews. And he, wanted, he just took the New Testament and he edited it as, a, as that. He, he just took the, the New Testament and he cut out all the things that he thought were too Jewish. And he, and, he, and he completely dismissed the Old Testament. And there's a lot of people today that would say, oh, we don't need the Old Testament, we just need the New Testament. They're basically like Marcion back in, the old te- back in those days. We need the whole of Scriptures, both Old and New Testament. So, we're going to devote ourselves to the Apostles' teaching we need to devote ourselves to studying this book. Sixty-six books, one bound together. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They uh, they devoted themselves also to fellowship. Okay, to fellowship. It is a it is a pain and it is a tragedy that so oftentimes. We come to church on Sunday. We do our church thing and we never see each other throughout the week, right? What did the early church do? They devoted themselves to fellowship. If you want to be a part of a good, healthy church, don't just come on Sunday and think you've done your thing. Live together with your brothers and sisters. Text each other during the week. Isn't that a great thing that we have the privilege of now? We didn't, we didn't have that privilege 20 years ago. <laughs> but we can, we can just send each other a text, no matter where you are in the world. And we can send encouraging messages to one another throughout the week. We can meet with each other in our homes, have people over for coffee. All of those things, having fellowship with one another. Not only... Um, well, I can get to there in a minute. So fellowship, they, they had a common life together. That word uh, fellowship comes from the word koinonia, it's, and it's, uh, it's um, the idea of, of a common life together. They shared life together. That's what we want to be about as Redeemer Baptist Church. That's how we want to worship God in biblical simplicity. It's not just about what we do here on Sunday. It's also about sharing a common life with each other, building friendships, spending time together. They um, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Um, two ideas there. One, when we talk about the breaking of bread, we're talking about the Lord's Supper. We're talking about worship. Okay, um, That's something we don't do enough of here as far as the Lord's Supper. Uh, We need to do it more often. Uh, And I, I can spell that out some more later. But one of the things that we do as a church that is very unique, that you don't just do off on your own, is the Lord's Supper. Coming to the table together. Examining ourselves. And being encouraged as we take the bread and the cup. This is what Jesus did for you. His body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. And hearing that message and being reminded of what He did for us. That's something we do together as a community and not off on our own. Which reminds me there again of fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Oftentimes we also get the idea, well, I've experienced churches where I've just been through too much hurt and I don't want to have anything to do with the church anymore, right? Right? We get that idea. And especially today where it's just so easy. You know, 20 years ago, you could listen to preachers on the radio. Today, you can listen to a podcast no matter where you're at, 24 hours a day, and then you can find whatever sermon you want to find on whatever topic you want to find from whatever preacher you want to find. Okay, And we basically become consumers. What is that missing? It's missing fellowship. the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which we can get from a podcast. They can't get fellowship from a podcast. You can't get the Lord's Supper from a podcast. Not only is breaking the bread, I think, referring to the Lord's Supper, but it's also (laughs) they ate together. (laughs) As part of that common life together. They spent time in each other's houses. They had each other over for meals. Um, They didn't let each other be alone. And Lonely, but they had a common life together. They they shared meals with one another. Um, what an odd sight it, that can be, you know. People of different backgrounds, people of different cultures and ethnicities, all getting together. You know, um, you had in the early church, you had both slave and masters together worshiping in the same church. You had them coming together for the same table. At the table, we're equal. Um, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship uh, and to uh, the breaking of bread and to prayers. To the prayers. Um, We can do all those other things and forget to pray. And we're weak. And I think maybe this is one of the areas where I struggle the most. You know, what what does prayerlessness signify but that we feel like we can do it on our own? It's arrogant not to pray. (laughs) Because if we're not praying, we think, I don't need prayer. I don't need God to help me. We just do it on my own. We need prayer. If God is going to move in this church, if God is going to move in Panama and reach the hearts of people in this community, the only way it's going to do it is if God does it. It's not something that we can do. That's not something that I can do. It's not something that just a few people can do. No, that's something only God can do. And so, we're going to be doing that as a part of worshiping God in biblical simplicity. We need to pray. We need to depend, depend upon God to be the one who brings people into His church. And all came over every soul. And many signs and miracles were being done through the apostles. You know what, I think that when a church functions like the New Testament church did, Will have the same kind of result. Awe will be upon every soul. People, you, you—it's a display of God's glory for a church to be healthy and and, and, and looking. And so, when people look at that, they say, that's different than from the kinds of churches I've seen in the past. That's different, uh, and, and, and awe comes upon people whenever they see. Man, what is it that makes you guys so different from what I've seen? And awe comes upon people. Here it tells us that uh, that. that uh, many signs and wonders were being done among the apostles now this was the first church. this is where the apostles were still teaching and you know we, we can come to different uh, 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 conclusions about that I, I believe that that was for the apostolic era that the the apostles had the authority to and the, and the power to be able to do those kinds of signs and wonders um, and that was special for that era and we point back to what he did then but i don 't think I don't think we expect to see uh, me and Mike walk down the street see a lame guy and say, hey, get up out of your chair and walk. Okay, That's not, that's not what we expect right here. But we will see miracles, not, not that kind. We'll see the miracle of the person coming to faith in Jesus and having their life completely radically changed. That's the kind of miracle that we can see today. And all who believe were together and had all all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This is another one that's difficult. Okay? Um, Well, it doesn't have to be difficult, but it's kind of difficult because of some of the political realities that we live around. Okay? First of all, It's good, and and it's a wonderful thing for believers to care about the needs of one another and meet those needs. And that's what we ought to be about as a church. When we see someone hurting, when we see somebody hurting financially and and all all these things, we need to go to them and help them. Okay, Uh, But then, you know, some have pointed to this text and used it as a justification for the government to do that, right? Some have pointed to this text and say, well, Christians should be socialists, right? Because, because uh, in the early church, what did they do? They, they held all things in common, and they distributed everybody that need. That's what they would say. That's what they would claim. Well, the difference, I think, that's here is they didn't have any centralized authority that was taking from people and distributing it to the others. No, these people were willingly, joyfully giving of what they owned and distributing it to all those who had need. There's a big difference between the two. You've got one where where there's a centralized authority, let's say the government, taking from people and distributing, whereas the other, it's people seeing a need, pooling together their resources and caring for one another. Very big difference. Very big difference. And I think one of the things that marks a church, that's actually going to probably go with one of next week's things. Next week, our, our, our topic that we're going to cover is serving our community by meeting tangible needs. It's right here. So we're already kind of covering, covering that. And they were uh, verse 46 and day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generosity, generous hearts. They met together publicly in the temple and they met together in each other's homes. Um, that's kind of just going back to what I've already said tonight, right? Right. It's not just about what we do here on Sunday, coming and doing our church thing. It's about life together. It's about having coffee on Tuesday morning. I'm ready for coffee. Later. Yeah. <laughs> it's about getting together for a meal. It's about, it's about all of those things. So that is part of what it means when we say worship God in biblical simplicity. It's, it's trying to... Re- no, not recreate... It's trying to follow the pattern that we see in the early church. Uh, And praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I believe that that kind of church is attractive. And while not everyone will see that and come to faith in Jesus, there are many people who are in the world who are broken and heart heartache because of what they have seen in the lost world what they wanted to to receive happiness and fulfillment in a career in alcohol in you name it they couldn't find happiness they couldn't find it but they can find that in a church that loves one another that cares for one another's needs The broken world needs the church to be what the church is supposed to be. If we're worshiping God in biblical simplicity, I'll just say that is short for this, it's going to bring people to Jesus. I'm going to turn to the passage that Mike read from Nehemiah. This is still about worshiping God in biblical simplicity. What is our preaching going to look like if we want to worship God in biblical simplicity? I think that, that question is kind of answered here. I didn't mark it, so I'm kind of flipping around here. Okay. Okay. And all, uh, all the people gathered around as one man to, into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law. So the, the focus was on the Word of God. Ezra brought the book of the law of Moses. And Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard. Notice that. Both men and women and all who could understand what they heard. Okay? Okay? Um, now, I know not everybody's going to agree with this, but as a church, we have to kind of decide how we 're going to do things. okay Some churches can do one strategy, some churches can do another strategy. When it says here, men and women and all who could understand, I believe what that means is they had the kids present in big church <laughs> that's what uh, oh, men and women and all who could understand Right? I think one of the things we do a disservice about in churches is when we separate the family, uh, and, and maybe it's good whenever they're small, whenever, whenever they're s- too small to understand nursery that's what we have a nursery. well, we don't have a nursery here yet because we don't have any babies. <laughs> but when they come to an age where they can understand, and I, I, and you know some. Some people can argue about that sound of subjective. What does that mean? You know if they're, if they're big enough to sit and sit still in, an, in first grade for a classroom, I think they're probably big enough they can understand. Uh, every church has to make a decision about what they're going to do, but the, this says they all came together, both men and women and all who could understand. Um, I At Redeemer, we're going to be a church that we come together of all ages. To hear God's Word. And one of the disservices I think that it can do to separate the family like that, if kids are catered to throughout their lives, throughout their young lives, so that they, 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 they move from one ministry to another ministry, and they're never really in big church throughout their whole life, they, they finally graduate from high school and, they move on, and then they drop out of church. right? Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing special for them anymore. Why would they want to go to big church? They never really cared to be there all along. We can disagree about that. Not everybody's going to feel the same way about that. But that's the way the vision for the kind of biblical simplicity we'll have for worship here. Okay. Um, on the first day of the seventh month, he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand. He repeats that same phrase again. Men and women and all who could understand. And all the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. One of the things we need to have as a church that wants to to worship in biblical simplicity is we want to be attentive to the book of the law. We, We want to come with an eager expectation. We want to hear from God. We don't want to come to see what so-and-so is wearing. We don't want to come to hear the latest gossip. We want to come to be attentive to the book of the law. We want to come to hear from God. Um, in the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform. Well, we got carpet here. stood on a wooden platform that they made for the purpose. And beside him stood... I'm not going to name all those names. <laughs> you already did. Okay. Uh, stood all these people, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. Opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people physically, not authoritatively, but he was above them. And he opened the book and the people stood. Now some, some churches... They take that really literally and they have everybody stand up whenever they read God's word and I think that's perfectly fine. Everybody has to make a decision about what they're going to do. I think what's more important, what's most important is the attitude of our hearts, right? Mm-hmm. That that we that we listen, that we are attentive to to God's word, that we 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 were humble humbly accepting his word. And Ezra blessed the Lord and said uh bless the lord the the great god and all all the people answered amen and amen. They were agreeing. Okay. He blessed the lord and all the people were agreeing, lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and they worshiped the lord with their faces to the ground. Boy, that'd be look that would look strange if people walked into the middle of our worship and we were all on their faces before. Oh well. Yeah. yeah. Worship is not what we do to make ourselves feel good. <laughs> worship, when we truly worship God for who He is, we ought to be struck with a sense of awe and wonder and even fear. We tremble before Him. We have to take it seriously. <clears throat> Verse 7, and Jesuit... Oh, I mean, I'm not going to name all those names. Mike, you already did it for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, and verse 8, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. This, I believe, is a definition of what expository preaching, that word I started off with, is. Yes. They read from the book. And the, of the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Preaching is not for the preacher to get up and say, This is what I think we ought to do. Preaching, biblical preaching, is saying, This is what the book says. I'm going to explain it so that it's clear, so there's no misunderstanding, and we're going to live this out together. That's biblical preaching. That's expository preaching. It's it's right here. They read from the book of the law of God clearly and they gave the sense so the people understood the reading. So I think that's that is what I mean whenever I say there's more to it than I've got I mean I've got so many thoughts about what it means to be worship in biblical simplicity. Worship God in biblical simplicity. I can't say it all in one night. And I'm already going long. I'm 37 minutes. (laughs) I can't say it all. But I've used these texts to kind of rein me in and focus on what we've got to say tonight. Um, That's what we want to be at Redeemer Baptist Church. I want to say one more thing. I've been really talking a lot about worshiping in biblical simplicity I've been talking about what the early church was like I've been talking about what expository preaching is and all. that's great okay but I always want to be gospel centered I want to have Christ at the center of all we do it's the last thing on our okay what is the church the church are the people for whom Christ died which reminds us back of the gospel it's all about the fact that we are all sinners. We are all broken. We are all, we are all uh, needy. And Jesus came from heaven. Lived a perfect sinful life that we couldn't live. Died on our behalf. And all we have to do is trust in Him. Trust Trust that, the, that what He did upon the cross paid for our sins to look to him we you might pray and ask god what you what jesus did count that for me that's the gospel it's what he did for you that is the good news that we're here about every week and if you haven't trusted in that yet that's the first first thing we need to focus on trust in jesus trust in him and The Great Commission says that the disciples are to make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that I've commanded you. And the rest of the sermon, that was all teaching them everything I've commanded you. First things first, look to Jesus. Look to the Gospel. Trust in Him. You can have forgiveness of sins. You can have a changed life. You can be born again and made new. That's the Gospel. Listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at redeemerbaptistpanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.